Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Just said, get it together, man. (laughs) I appreciate that. Uh, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this morning. We thank you for, uh, Lord, for an opportunity to be together in your house. Lord, we're reminded uh, of your love. We thank you for those uh, who have led us in worship uh, this week and, Lord, uh, who continue to uh, uh, encourage us. Lord, we just uh, we thank you for them and for the time and the energy and the effort they put forth. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the, the, the blessing of being uh, together this morning. Lord, may we hear your voice like the sheep hear their shepherd's voice. May we take the time to quiet our hearts. May we recognize the difference between a good shepherd and a bad shepherd. And Lord, may we recognize our role as a shepherd for other people's lives. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to ask you this question, and I want you to think about it as we're, uh, as before the, the sermon, I will ask it again. But uh, So what do you expect from your shepherd? Well, you're not allowed to answer yet, Larry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm teasing. You can answer if you want. But, but I want you to think about that as we, as we uh, listen to the scripture this morning, as we begin to... Uh, as we continue to worship this morning, what do you expect from your shepherd? John chapter 10, verse 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. Oh, I just need to make mention that this, is, this whole passage is read. The whole thing is Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. And does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, not only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. May God add his blessing as we continue to worship him this morning. Lord God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Thank you for the opportunity to be reminded of your love, of your care and desire to be involved in our life. Quiet our hearts that we might hear your voice this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You may run. Run, dude, run. 
Yeah. I didn't run fast enough, he said. <laughs> All right. So what do you expect from your shepherd? Protection, okay. What was that? Watch out, okay. Love, all right. Some of you all are hard to love. <laughs> I was trying to see if I get a reaction. I think half the people were sleeping, so I thought I'd see what would happen. <laughs> Throw a tomato. <laughs> Did anybody bring tomatoes in over there? <laughs> I better start ducking, right? Protection. What else? I'm sorry, I missed it. Forgiveness. Provision. What was the other one? Guidance. guidance. Yeah, guidance. That's a good one. Strength. Strength. What was it? Eternal life. Okay. Anything else? Forgiveness. Man, you guys want a lot out of a shepherd. All they got's a crook and a Man, tough crowd, huh? Let me ask you this question, and I want you to think about this as we go through the sermon this morning. Who is it in your life that you're shepherding? See, because I read this passage, and this was a hard passage for me this week, because I feel responsible as a shepherd, right? As a shepherd of this, co- uh, this flock, I feel responsible and, I, and it would be easy for you to sit back and say, well, yeah, dude, this is yours. Preach a sermon to yourself, and the rest of us will listen and point our finger. But the more I thought about this passage, Jesus is talking about being a shepherd. I am the good shepherd, he says. He lived his life as an example for the rest of us. And I'm willing to bet that not one of us in this room doesn't have someone who's watching us. Either as a parent or as a sibling or uh, as a friend or as a Christian. And their desire is to be shepherded. They want to follow And so who is it that you are shepherd of? Who is it in your life that watches how you respond to things? Who is it in your life that emulates the things that you do? You know, there's one thing I learned about kids, and I learned at a very early age. Our oldest daughter, this is some 30 years ago, was playing with her toys at a very young age. And in the midst of those, she, she said a curse word. You know, And she wasn't near old enough to understand what a curse word meant, right? She didn't understand what it meant at all. But she understood that when things didn't go right, <laughs> right? When something went wrong, this is what you said. And so she learned that probably at like two or three. And my wife and I had to look at each other because we couldn't blame the dog on this one. Uh, <laughs> It was Amy, yeah, and then we blamed Amy because that's, that's, you know. Our kids 
our grandkids, our neighbor kids, our co-workers, they're watching. And if we're calling ourselves Christians, in some way, shape, or form, we are shepherding others. And it's all too easy to just kind of push that off and forget about the responsibility that we have as believers in Christ. It's easy to point the finger at the shepherd, right? It's easy to read the scripture and say, Jesus, the good shepherd, and this is his responsibility. And he doesn't mince words in any of that. But the reality is there's a lot more of this passage that connects to us as parents, as siblings, as friends. We've been working through the I am's, where Jesus is talking uh, to the people face to face, and he's bringing up the I am that came from Exodus chapter 3, and he's reminding them that he is calling himself God in the midst of all that's going on. He's walking the ground. He's, he's hanging out with people, and yet he's calling himself God. I'm two slides behind. That's pretty good. That reminds us there are people following us. That reminds us that there are people who we are shepherding. And I'll ask you another part of that question. How serious are you taking that responsibility? How serious are you taking that responsibility? I hear a little one in the crowd, right? There's a couple little ones in the crowd. That excites me. That makes, it makes me smile. Yeah, see, you respond, perfect. <laughs> it also reminds me that the parents have a responsibility. And I know, as good parents, there's a lot of stress and anxiety over getting our kids in the right spot, right? Training them up, teaching them the ways, helping them grow, strengthening them, picking up the pieces when there's trouble. All those parts are shepherding our children, If we only created children and let the wolves take them from there on, right? If we just left them grow and uh, just go do your thing, right? There's food in the fridge. Have at it. Somebody better feed the baby because it's going to starve to death otherwise. That wouldn't go very well, right? And we live in a world where um, someone would come and take those babies away. But we learn at a very early age, our children, our babies need nurtured. They need held. Uh, we were over and saw our grandson Friday, and we found out one thing about our new grandson. He's a month old, and he has realized that the best position is to be fed. That's good, right? Burped, and then carried around. He's not much of a fan of the swing. He's not much a fan of you sitting. He would like you to carry him around. He wants to look around. And we already realized in a month that's uh oh, you know he's he's learned that it's more fun to get held and carried around and be close. 
We are shepherds of those we come in contact with. We are shepherds to those who are in our neighborhood. Those who we might spend a lot of time and energy with. Don't miss the scripture that Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the good shepherd, but follow after me. Watch how I do this. I'm going to show you the right way. Don't miss it. The first thing he says is to take ownership, to own that position. See, for me, they, get, they pay me, right? And I'm called to this. And so I know walking into this that my job as a shepherd is to shepherd the flock. And all too often, uh, those who are in the flock think, well, maybe it's not my responsibility. Maybe I don't need to do this. And I want to challenge you that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Do it like me. Do it like me. He's, you know, all, we live in a world where we see owners of businesses, and this is kind of how we feel about them, is it not? Like we're getting trampled, right? Owners of businesses don't get a whole lot of, uh, they don't get a whole lot of positive vibes. And the bigger the business gets, the worse it seems to be. But the reality is this. I know a lot of small business owners who care very deeply about the people that they have hired, who care very deeply about the people they are servicing, who care very deeply about what's going on in people's lives. Why? Because they have a vested interest in their business. If they don't make it go, who will? And that's what Jesus says here. He says, I'm the good shepherd, and I'm the one who is responsible for this flock. He goes on to say, the hired hand, he doesn't own the sheep. He just gets a paycheck for keeping an eye on them. And I want to challenge you to take the responsibility that God has put in your path. To take responsibility for those whom you are to shepherd. All too often, it's easy for us to sit back and just watch things happen and not take our responsibility as believers in Christ seriously. Does anybody know what Matthew, the last two verses in Matthew say? Last, might be the last three verses. Anybody? What's that? Yeah, Great Commission, yeah. Go into all the world, teach them, baptizing them in my name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go into the world and share the gospel of Christ with anyone you come in contact with. Go into all the world and share the gospel with anyone you come in contact with. That's taking ownership for your faith. That's taking ownership for, for what you believe. See, otherwise it's just a, oh, look what I got in my wallet. I got the get out of hell free card, right? Look at this. Yay for me, right? It's easy to grab the get out of hell for free card. It's a lot harder to take ownership in our faith. It's easy to walk by someone who is hurting and struggling. I will tell you that I, there are very rare, rare times that I won't find someone 
who has some kind of problem who needs to talk about it. We're struggling with something. And all too often, we are, we are more than willing to walk right past someone who needs the love of Jesus. Take responsibility for your faith. Because if you don't, Jesus says, the wolf will come and he will tear up the sheep. He will scatter them. And I don't know if you see what I see in the world we live in today. But I see the wolf scattering the sheep. And the sheep are still looking. And they're looking at any religion or any positive thing or any psychic or whatever is out there that they can find on their own. Because someone hasn't told them about Jesus. Happening all too often. There's a desire in a man's heart. A hole where Jesus fits. And all too often, we just don't share that enough. We don't, we don't live it enough to, for people to be able to see that. And to move forward. Take ownership in your faith. Be a shepherd of those around you. Obviously, that takes tact and understanding and care and love, right? All those pieces where we could go in with the wrong mindset and we can chase people away. That's not the goal. The goal is to draw them close to Jesus through our love, our care, our concern. Take ownership of your faith. The wolf is coming, and, it, and we see it every day. We see it every day. Jesus says in, the next, uh, in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know the sheep, and they know me. Let me challenge you to invest yourself. Invest yourself in other people. You may think, yeah, I've done that and I got burned. Yeah, that's part of life. That's part of life. If you haven't been uh, involved in, uh, with anyone else in life, you haven't been broken. You will. We live in a broken world with broken people. This church is full of broken people, including myself. Broken. We need a, we need a Savior, Jesus. Invest yourself in others. Take a chance. Maybe it's only one person, but it's not only one person. It's one person. Maybe you don't like big groups. I'm fine with that. Find one person. There's only one thing you'll take to heaven with you. There's only one thing. And that's the soul of someone you led to Christ. You won't take a wallet full. You won't take your house full. You won't take your cars. You won't take any of that stuff. What will go to heaven with you will be the soul of someone who you led to Christ. Everything else will burn. Let me challenge you to invest yourself. Again, that scripture is, I am the good shepherd. 
I know my sheep and they know me. I think all too often we're way more worried about this. We're way more worried about investing our money and where it's going to land and how much we're making. And we live and die by this, uh, this idea that the more I got in my pocket, the more I got in my savings, the happier I'll be. You know what? I have some money invested. And you know what happens every time the stock market tanks? What's that? It goes down. Yeah, it does go down. You know what happens? People are so fickle that my, my uh, advisor guy sends me an email every time the stock market tanks. I, I, I'm not lying. It's, it's not him personally. It's the company, right? Because they're so worked up and so worried that they're going to get 100 calls because the stock market went down. But anytime it takes a big jump, I get an email after the market. Ta-da, don't worry. You know, it's only money. That's what I always say. Way too many of us are worried more about our investments. Spend more time. I, I mean, I just realized that there are these apps that you can invest your own money, watch it go, and you can just like, it's like playing a video game with your own money. You don't even need a person anymore. My challenge to you is to worry less about your investments. Our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He goes on to say, if I take care of a sparrow, do you think I'm going to take care of you? Your hairs on your head are numbered. We think if we can hold that money tight, that somehow that'll make us feel better. It'll make us feel more secure. It'll make us feel like we got something. There's one thing I learned in Kentucky a couple weeks ago. You can have all you want. You can have every, your pockets full. And then the lady that we worked on her house said less than 20 seconds. Less than 20 seconds. That tornado took everything she owned down the road two miles. Gone. Gone. I mean, like, clear path. Like, psh, gone. Not anything left. And it's in those moments, I think we think, well, somehow we're insulated from that until it actually happens to us. And we get so tangled up in the things of life that we forget what's most important. You know, I want to challenge you as a, as a congregation, as a flock. If you're doing something uh, ministry-wise in this church and you're involved, close your ears, all right? Because I'm not talking to you. If you're involved in a ministry um, or you have a ministry that you're working on and you have a clear conscience like, yep, I got plenty to do, perfect, I'm not talking to you. But let me challenge you. That if you're not involved in any way, shape, or form in a ministry in this church or in your life, let me challenge you. That we have lots and lots and lots of opportunities to invest yourself into others. There's a, there is a program going right now, young kids. What is, what's the age? Little guys. Little three. Two and three. If you can't teach two and three-year-olds, you might be me. 
That's only because I don't want to change diapers, just being completely honest. The reality is this. You have an opportunity. An opportunity to invest yourself into other people. And you can say, well, I'll miss church. Yeah, you can come to second service once a month. Not that big a deal, guys. If you miss church, you just miss me. You can watch it on YouTube, right? Veronica says you can watch it on YouTube after. If you really want to see me that bad, I'm, I'd rather you be in there. Just going to be honest with you. I'd rather you be in there. I'd rather, I'd rather be, that'd be a great excuse not to have to listen to me. Invest yourself. We have so many opportunities where we can invest ourselves into the, the, the others in our church. And I want to challenge you, and this may be, sound a bit harsh, because I'm not, I'm not talking to you who are already involved. I'm talking to you, you who are not involved as of now. Here's my fear. It may not be that you can't. It may be that you won't. Ouch. It may be that you won't. Let me ask you the hard question. How much time will you give to God? How much time are you willing to give to God? I don't care if it's a half an hour a week. That's fine. Set it aside. Pray about it. Set it aside and give it to God. Be faithful about giving it to God. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's uh, uh, shoveling your neighbor's snow all winter. I don't care if it's picking up their leaves in the fall. I don't care if it's picking up their limbs. I don't... I don't have to know about it. I don't have to know what it is. But I want to challenge you to ask yourself this question. Am I giving anything back to God? Have I invested in anyone? Have I made phone calls? I appreciate so many people who make phone calls, who are willing to pray. I, you know what? I sit down and I pray for an hour. Awesome. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Invest yourself somewhere in someone else. Because if we're honest, we recognize that someone invested in us, right? I can tell you for a fact, there's a picture in my office of my grandma. And you know what? She invested in me. When I was just a teenager, she made me feel special. She made me, uh, she reminded me how much she loved me. She cared about me and wanted me to follow Jesus. And I wouldn't be here this morning had it not been for grandma, because grandma believed in me long before anyone else, including myself. But she knew. She knew that I needed that love. She knew that I needed to be reminded that it was going to be okay. She knew. You know what? I, the picture that's in there is one of the first times I preached. I preached at Delaware Baptist Church, and she, she got to see me. And she cared. She cared. And it was in that moment that I realized that the most powerful thing that God has given us is the opportunity to invest in someone else. And all too often I watch people waste it. Given the opportunity, if you're a mom and you're raising little ones, oh man, I'm so proud of you. That's the hardest job ever, right? The most important job on this earth is raising the next generation of youngsters, training them up. 
Don't count yourself as less. Bothers me when I hear that. Just a mom or a domestic engineer or whatever, the homemaker or whatever you want. What's it? House spouse, yes. <laughs> it's so important. And here's what I recognize through, through the counseling piece of my life. If you're not proactive in raising good kids and training them up in the way they should go and teaching them what Jesus wants them to know, let me tell you where you're going to be in 10 or 15 years. You'll be reacting to all the problems that you'll have because of it. And the statistics are on my side. Invest yourself in others. Talk about unsung heroes. Moms are unsung heroes. I'll go to work any day for 8 or 10 or 12 hours, a day, right? Because staying home is harder. Finally, Jesus reminds us to invite the others. Did you catch this piece? It's a little bit of an interesting uh, part of the scripture. It says, the other sheep I have, which are not in this fold, them I must bring also. And they shall hear my voice, and there will be one fold, one shepherd. Who are the other sheep? What's Jesus talking about? Kind of a weird, what the heck's he talking about? The Gentiles. Thank you, Sally. Exactly. The Gentiles. Jesus is talking to the Jewish people here. He said, listen, there's going to be more. There's going to be others. They're going to be Gentiles. We're going to blow this thing wide open. This isn't just for the Jews. He said it's going to be a whole lot. He's opening their mind. He's opening them to, to begin to realize that they are the chosen people, and yet Jesus is bigger than the chosen people. He came to save all of us. He came that we all might have life. The Jews and the Gentiles. Just so you guys know, you're Gentiles, I think. I don't know there's, if you're of Jewish descent, I apologize, but I don't think, I don't know of any that are of Jewish descent. We're all Gentiles. We're all outsiders who God took a chance on. And guess what? We have Gentile friends. We have people who are out there, people who we connect with, people who even like us. And maybe we don't feel comfortable at this point sharing the gospel one-on-one -on -one in their face. Maybe it's a matter of, I just need to be a friend first and build a relationship. Fine. Invite them. Invite a friend to sit next to you. You don't know how many times, if I got everybody who I invited to sit in my row, I'd have to kick Chris and Shelly out. <laughs> when I see somebody, I always tell them the same thing, with a smile, not, not, not in a negative way. I always tell them, you're more than welcome to come. And there's a seat right next to me in the row. You can sit with me in my row. And I say that sincerely, not as a, because lots of people have said, well, you know, that, that building will just fall in. And so I'm not even going to come. And I tell them, no, lots of other people have been here and they said the same thing and it hasn't fallen in yet. And so we'll probably be okay. The challenge for us is to invite a friend. 
to invite someone to understand who Jesus is. See, we make too much of it. We make, we make it such a big deal. Like we have to, um, you, you have to memorize the whole Bible before you can become a Christian. No, that's not what it says. It says the children understand. The children understand who Jesus is. Don't make it more than it is. Don't make it a bunch of rules. That's not what the scripture tells us. It's all about relationship. And if you got problems and you got issues, perfect. You'll join the rest of us who have issues. Anybody else have issues? I got issues. Right? Let me remind you of this passage. It's been on my heart this week. It's been on my heart this week, I think, because I'm watching God uh, move in people's lives. I'm watching God use people in new ways, and it's exciting to me. I'm watching my corn all be ripe, right? And the grapes are, are getting ripe and about to, are being picked. And I'm beginning to, you know, we're, we're beginning to see the harvest uh, in a very real way in our, in our neighborhood. We're watching uh, people pick uh, tons of tomatoes and all these fruits and vegetables. And we know that soon... Winter will be here. But we recognize that the harvest is plentiful. And Jesus is not talking about the harvest. He's talking about people's souls. He says people's souls are plentiful. There are so many for us to make connections with. So many. To make connections with. The challenge is will you? Will you go and work on the harvest? Or will you allow yourself to sit in your little hole, to do your own little thing, and not be involved with anyone else? You get to pick. You get to pick, but I'm just telling you what this shepherd is telling his flock. The harvest is plentiful. Go harvest. If people aren't uh, nervous and anxious and concerned about what's happening in this world now, they really are living under a rock. There is not a better time in this world to share the love of Christ with people who need it. Time is short, and the harvest is plentiful. And if you don't know where to start, perfect. If you don't know where to start, get a hold of me. I will hook you up some way, shape, or form. We will sit and pray about it. We will talk about your gifts. We will spend time figuring out where God wants you to be. We will ask your friends, your neighbors, those people who are close to you, who understand you. We will figure it out. That's a nice big word called discerning, right? But we will figure it out. The harvest is plentiful. Let's pray. Lord God, we so thank you this morning for your word. We're reminded that you are the good shepherd who loves us so deeply, who cares so deeply about his sheep. 
Lord, we thank you for your love and care and concern over our lives. If we don't remember today, Lord, I don't know what will remind us. That our time is short and all of a sudden we're to a point where we can no longer share. And so, Lord, I ask this morning that you would bend this flock's ears to hear your word, to be open and, and to recognize, Lord, their need, their desire, your desire for their life. Thank you for your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.